Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 11 of the World of Breakfast podcast, and uh, happy September Fest to anybody celebrating. Um, I am your host, William of AW Studios. Joins me today is uh, my good friend and co-host, Sean Willis of City Penta. Everyone ought to be celebrating, I'm sure. <laughs> yes. And uh, our special guest today is James Moore of Spastic Chihuahua. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. So, um, yeah, so you started off uh, brick filming in 2003, is that right? Uh, a little bit earlier than that, um, I officially started brick filming back in, like, I think 2000 or 2001. That's when I started brick filming with, like, this really old blocky VHS camcorder. Then I just, you know, started shooting these little films. and um, But I didn't start putting my stuff online until 2003 with the monkey. But, uh, yeah, I guess you could say that's when my I started leaving my digital footprints on the internet yeah yeah so um yeah how, how do you kind of like how do you sort of discover brick filming then uh well i've always been a huge fan of lego growing up and uh i was also interested in like drawing and making comic books and telling little stories and uh i think i was watching like this behind the scenes special on tv about the nightmare before christmas and how they made it and i was pretty fascinated and so I kind of latched on to the idea of doing like stop motion animation. So I like borrowed my aunt's VHS camcorder, which I don't think I ever returned. And then <laughs> I just started like making little tests and these really like ridiculous brick films that are like two frames per second or something like that. It yeah. was like so choppy, but um, yeah, that's when I first started getting into it. And I haven't really stopped since then. <laughs> yeah. And do you still have any old brick films on tape? I know I do somewhere. I know my mom has thrown them out. Um, I really want to like archive those and put them online because some of them are like outrageous. It's <laughs> like one of them I used some of the the Johnny Funder sets, and it was like this Egyptian type adventure. And I u- also used like the pieces from the Mousetrap. Um, board game and it it was just like completely ridiculous but i think they're kind of fun still yeah but, uh, there'll be plenty of people that love to see those now yeah i think they're just like stored in a box somewhere in someone's garage i gotta like dig around and try and find them again <laughs> i shot like so many like so much material back then too and then did you have lego studios after that no um i always wanted lego studios I like bugged my parents for it, but we never picked it up because uh, it was kind of expensive. Plus, I heard from a lot of people that the camera was pretty terrible. So, but uh, I got all the other Lego Studio sets, like the you know the dinosaur foot, some the the Johnny Funder one where you can make like hit this bridge disappear or break apart that one. Uh, oh yeah, but yeah. I pretty much had all of them except for that the big one. So. Hmm. But uh, yeah, I think one of the interesting things uh, about you is that uh, you've actually, you've never actually kind of had a point where you've kind of just like stopped, like you've, you've, you've continued to really stay active and, and make work, you know, f- from the early 2000s. And um, that's quite an unusual to hear, really. Yeah. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah, I think, I think yeah, so. Most yeah. people did drop off for a bit and then some return, but yeah, you've kept it constant. Yeah. Um, through um, 
Burke films, I kind of like branched off into other interests too, like 2D animation and most recently 3D animation. But it all kind of leads back to brick filming at the end of the day. Like, I still have a ton of bricks. And even when I'm not busy with freelance work, I try to put out like a little brick film once in a while. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, I never lost interest in it really. Like, there's times where I get a little tired or bored of brick filming. So I switch to another interest of mine. And then when I get bored of that, I switch back to brick filming. So it's like. <laughs> I think it's good to have a couple other interests too. Yeah. You could kind of switch around. So. so Yeah, so you don't get burnt out on one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is that does sound like a good way to be. So, do you remember discovering brickfilms.com at first? I, yeah, I did. Um I think I would around the time I was um making my dumb little VHS brick films, I was just going online. And I think I googled uh lego movies or something and that was like one of the first results and back then i had a 56k modem and so it would take like a couple hours to watch like a one minute brick film <laughs> and but uh yeah i love that site i would like visit it for hours and look for new films to watch and um yeah um i Back when uh, Jason was running the site, I wasn't really a part of the whole community yet. It was when um, Joshua took over and the site was completely overhauled uh, in, like, I think 2003 or so. That's when I started getting involved in the community. So do you remember any of the earliest films you saw in there or anything that uh, inspired your own work? Yeah, um, back in the super early days, I would watch stuff like, um, there's like this horror brick film called the birds oh yeah it's about a yeah it's about a dude that like throws some rocks at a flock of birds and then he gets cursed and turns into a bird i remember that one for some reason Uh, a lot of blunty's work was pretty influential i think on me and a lot of other people as well yeah um what else in like the 2003 2004 era it was stuff like crispy cheeser um zach stuff um and yeah there were a few other good great ones were you ever familiar with uh taco trouble taco trouble yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a great one too <laughs> yeah i think um like that kind of era like sort of like you know, get 2003 2004 to me mm-hmm. that's like the start of like the golden age of brick filming um so I'm I I love that I love that era you know of brick films. I think it's mm-hmm. where really where you know it's kind of like starting getting up to its peak. I think yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's when um, I think the quality of brick films was starting to skyrocket a bit. Yeah, when not everybody and, was still using the the studio's camera, people were starting to move yeah. on to other stuff. <laughs> yeah, I think that's when the Quick Cam Pro four thousand came out, or was it four thousand or nine thousand? Yeah, it was four thousand. Four thousand. Yeah, that's when that came out, and it was super affordable, and it looked pretty good at the time. So, and yeah. you could attach the the Lego pegs into the side of it and make a cradle handily. Yeah, that was great too. <laughs> so yeah, it's no surprise that it became such a standard. Yep, I think I still have mine. Nice. Keep it around as a reminder <laughs> when times were simpler. <laughs> <laughs> have you have you ever considered um, you know going back to it just for like you know nostalgia's sake and. And making another brick film out of it. <laughs> Just for fun? Yeah. 
Uh, I haven't, but that's kind of a good idea. Yeah. That'd be fun to try out. <laughs> um, I still keep around my Quick Cam 9000. Um, I actually used that for a job uh, last year. Um, we worked on a few videos for Thomas the Tank Engine for their toy line. And there's a couple shots where you see like a first person perspective of the train going through the tracks. And I used the uh, my Quick Cam for those shots because hmm. it was like. I think it's 720p. So I yeah. was able to kind of get away with it. But uh, yeah, they're still pretty handy once in a while. Yeah, I have heard like of that. other people keeping a webcam around to do uh, close up, sh- close shots in tight sets. Yeah, I think I got the idea from um, Forest Fire and Sean Willits for their uh, Hobbit video. They used the quick cam because the whole video is in like first person perspective. Yeah. I was like, how do you guys shoot this? And they were like, oh, we just used the Logitech Quick Cam. I was like, <laughs> oh, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. But, but it speaking of bright, bringing things know. back, actually, I wanted to ask, uh, recently there was a, a brief rumbling about another Kevin and Mr. Tater film. Uh, ah, any yes, update? Yes. Uh, yeah, I do have an update. Um, I'm still kind of working on the script. I was supposed to start shooting it like last week technically i made like a super rough schedule to follow but uh i'm still the script's still not quite there yet but i'm still planning on making it so that's good to hear it's, it's nice yeah. to know that it's actively being worked on yeah i'd love I'm to also, see the return uh, yeah in the meantime i did write another um short halloween script that i'm hoping to have in time ready in time for halloween um, I'm hope I'm gonna start doing storyboards and previs stuff this coming week for that. Script's done, so it's like four or five pages. So um, I'm pretty excited about starting that one because it's pretty. It's like it's ridiculous, but it has like a bit of a different feel than my other films. So I think it'd be a that nice change of pace. Yeah, and after that, I'll probably get started on the uh, the Kevin and mr tater film yeah so what would you say are kind of like your uh your biggest like inspirations then really like when you when it comes to the book films you make um i would say in the early days it was definitely stuff like blunty's films and like chris salt you know the two guys having an adventure genre um crispy cheeser was definitely a big inspiration for my stuff too like it was so well animated and um it was so zany. I don't know. It just kind of stuck with me. Yeah. Um, for most recently, I've been inspired by uh, uh, what else? Tim and Eric was a big inspiration for me as well. That type of comedy with the editing and the goofy special effects. Like I don't know. I pull inspiration from like a lot of different stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like in in your films, sometimes when there's a special effect that is, it's clearly not meant to be convincing yeah and sometimes i don't even bother putting in a special effect where there should be one like with the uh the snob on the pogo stick one like um i just use clear bricks to do the pogo stick effect i didn't even bother like roto and them out or whatever hmm. i just decided to keep it in i don't know i feel it looks all right yeah i like that as well i like it when you it's kept uh, stuff that's actually in the frame even when it's stuff like masking with clear bricks yeah, for a while, that's what I would prefer to do is just do all the effects in camera. But um, I've been kind of like getting a little lax about that. Like sometimes it's okay to kind of like dip into like 
more post effects or whatever. Yeah, but yeah, I think it's um can be sometimes a bit of a challenge, you know, having to uh, uh, you know, you're trying to use to do relying solely on particle effects. I think it gets to a point where there's almost like a limit. I think you know, you, you try some things, it you feel like you could almost do better if it was like edited later, you know. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I mean, like uh, the like this recent project I've been doing now. Um, it was the first time I'd actually ever used a um, helping hands uh, for like a you know rig like that because before that, um, if I was ever doing anything like you know something that's like floating or flying whatever like that, I would just use bricks. But um, the problem with that is that when you're just using bricks, um, there's the having to master out the shadow as well and uh, that kind of thing, which is not easy. So I thought I'd buy you know it'd be worth buying helping hands, and um, that was definitely very useful for the film, my most recent film, and. Um, yeah, I don't think I could have really done it another way, really. But yeah, yeah, I I've been meaning to pick up some more of those helping hands. Um, my wife is looking to get into stop motion animation, and she was wanting to animate one of those uh, Nendoroid figures. And so we've been kind of looking around town for the helping hands, but we haven't found any yet. So we'll probably have to order them online or something. But uh, yeah, they're pretty handy. Yeah, because really, when you think about it, I think um, brick films are probably uh, if you think of, like minifig animation and stuff like that, probably some of like the only kind of forms of like stop motion where you can go without um, rigs really because um, yeah. you know you've got like the studs and stuff. But like most most forms of of stop motion, you need some form of rig. I think. And yeah. I guess if you've, I'm sure you're sort of aware of that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I've been um, I've been wanting to get more into like standard stop motion stuff, like with big bigger figures and yeah you definitely need rigs if you go anything bigger than a minifig yeah for yeah. the most part i'd say us people have only ever animated lego we're probably spoiled really by not having to have rigs at all times you know you make a brick film yeah. with some masking you're like oh I've got a mask eight frames it's a tragedy <laughs> yeah. yeah that's i've been thinking about that a lot too how um we basically um grew up animating exclusively minifigs and sometimes i worried that could like kind of stunt our growth as animators in a way because they have such limited articulation mm. so for me personally i've been wanting to kind of experiment more with like figures that have more articulation and stuff and kind of like branch out a little bit but um yeah there's still a lot you can get away with, with a minifig you can still yeah. they're still pretty expressive but uh yeah, I just kind of want to keep pushing myself, and um, yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's kind of one of the thing. One of the things that's interesting with Lego is that um, you know there's a lot of things you can do which are not just uh, minifig. You know, I mean, like you look at like yeah. Dave Bagano, things like that. And I feel I feel like um, you know one of my kind of dreams, like one of my goals, really, um, uh, within like the next couple of years, would be to try pulling off a film with you know puppets like maybe similar size to what David Pagano does, you know. Maybe mm -hmm. not the little guys, but maybe um, they're like um, country building, you know, it's a little bit smaller. Yeah. Something like that. Because that might be like, a bit more easier, yeah. Yeah, he has like a nickname for those type of puppets. What were mm. they called? P Pagano puppets. Yeah, just Pagano <laughs> puppets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like to do more brick films with like the on that type of scale as well. Um, the biggest challenge I found is not so much working with puppets that size it's created in the environment for them because you're gonna need like a ton of brick 
yeah. or uh, use a lot of visual trickery to make it look like they're in like a full environment. Yeah. Yeah, I had to build absolutely enormous sets just for animating the technique figures, and they're not even as big as those puppets. Yeah. Like, I remember the sets for uh, Pokeball and 2 being pretty enormous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, what's the insane, the insane thing about the you know the, the pokeballing films is uh, just how much the scale changes. You know, it's it's one minute it's small, next minute it's medium, then it's giant, big, big things, and mm-hmm. oh god, yeah, not in the one shot. Yeah, it's all like cartoon logic type stuff. It just changes depending on the gag or, uh, yeah, what's going on mm-hmm. in the video. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you've seen um. Triggerbrick's recent um, movie magic entry, but um, he did some pretty impressive, um, like uh, close-up um, animation where it was uh, it was brick built. Basically, it was kind of uh, you know you had that old like, pirate minifigure with the eye patch with the stubble, and uh-huh. um, it kind of cut closer to his face, and then it got like the it got like more and more closer and closer, and then it cuts to um, this brick built um face which was the same as that one it was um yeah pretty impressive stuff and um, oh nice yeah. i'll have to um check it out it was zoomed in it was close so that it was only his eye in frame and then the eye blinks made out of bricks it was well done oh that's cool yeah i love when uh brick filmers do stuff like that yeah. like um the most recent one happened in the cleaners with the back of the uh the remote control mm, yeah. yeah that was great yeah you used, uh, that used some alarm so well clocks, done, didn't yeah. He? yeah. That one just, like, it passed me by on the first viewing. I didn't even realize the scale had changed. Yeah, it's really well done. It's subtle, but it works really well. Yeah, if you, yeah. If you can't tell that uh, the scale changes, then clearly they've done something right. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I love I love that kind of thing where, you know, you're changing the scale constantly. And uh, it's, um, it's really, really impressive. You can put it off well. And I think maybe a type of that kind of stuff might be a good sort of stepping stone in into... Um, doing like big big fig things you know just doing a couple of shots just to to add the illusion of it being to scale with a minifigure and that might be a good way of yeah like a stepping stone to going off to do like Pagano puppets <laughs> you know yeah another um technique i've been kind of looking into is using um cgi to create like set augmentation or to expand elements or whatever because um you know christopher gearhart i do yeah yeah, he made this uh, plug-in for Blender, which, like, you could bring in any 3D model and it converts it to Lego bricks. So I've been kind of, like, experimenting with that lately and trying to create, like, set extensions and stuff. Kind of, like, I don't know, seeing, like, how big of a scale you can, like, make things. And uh, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah, I saw your one of your Blender tests recently. I was really impressed by it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's uh, that one's still, like a work in progress but yeah it was pretty cool yeah it's looking yeah. good already it's looking a lot better than a lot of cg lego i've seen yeah yeah um he also like he's selling like this abs plastic material that you can use in blender which replicates the look of real lego pretty well so that was a big help as well because nice. i'm still pretty green when it comes to uh cgi stuff so we are actually living in a pretty interesting time now when it comes to this like kind of stuff because um i think the opinion on cg brick films is actually changing quite a lot um because there are now some genuinely great examples of cgi brick films like the um i don't know if you've seen squad 42 but um that is kind of like 
um, the new standard now. This is what people are going to have to try and look up to and try and use the standard now. And um, I think um, if you get more brick films like that, I think the opinion on CGI is definitely going to change. And um, I don't know. I feel like um, technology, technology getting better, and um, you know, I think I think it does take a lot of um, practice. You know, I, I don't think anybody can do it. Um, yeah. I think um, the Lego movie also changed a lot of people's perspective on 3D bricks as well, because yeah. obviously that's a big budget yeah. movie, but like it it replicates the look of stop motion bricks so well. And um, I personally, I would like I would always prefer to do things the stop motion way, but there's some if there's some elements you want to do that are like way too time consuming or are on too big of a scale then i don't have any problem at all with like using cgi where appropriate yeah like um water or whatever like if you want to do like 3d brick water then yeah for sure um try yeah. giving it a go with cg i think in the past um like uh we've the examples that we have had like um mm-hmm. have not been very great people always think of like the uh you know going back, lego like, a few years ago yeah yeah. Yeah. And the stuff that Lego, yeah, Lego themselves made, like, um, was it Revenge of the Brick? Uh, is it called that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the infamous one by now. But yeah, I think the, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> the Lego movie also changed uh, the way people approach CG brick filming, and that, like, they, na- they now want to actually follow the rules of Lego and the movement. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd say that played a big part in why people used to not like them so much, because they didn't like that they were bending all the rules. Yeah. Giving them, like, stretchy limbs or whatever, or I don't know. But yeah, mm-hmm. you're exactly right. It replicates the look of real Lego, which is why it works so well. Yeah, and luckily that's not based on just having a bigger budget. It's just how you choose to animate it. Yeah. Yep. I think you could have um, a sort of, um, like, not as convincing, um, like, rendering of Lego, but animated uh, in a way which is natural and, you know, not bending the walls. And I think people would like it. Yeah. Just because so, it's... Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean... You know, a lot of the a lot of the stuff is done in the same way that the Lego video games are done, and I think the Lego video games for that kind of um, medium it works. But I think yeah. um, like those TV series things, like the Lego and Chargo series and stuff like that. I think after since um, Lego Movie, people now expect stuff to be animated in that way, and I think it's going mm-hmm. to definitely change people's opinion on how uh, Lego CG should be. Yeah. On the um, on the flip side, though, Lego has released some stuff recently where it's like, why didn't you just like hire someone to make an actual brick film? Oh, like, yeah. um, uh, I don't know the title, but they did like some type of like a stage play video or like a Romeo Juliet type video, and it they made it animated like stop motion, like it was like on twos and kind of jerky, but it was like all CG. And it's like, in that case, just you should just use actual yeah. stop motion. There's like nothing in it that justified using a CGI. <laughs> I think it's going to get to the point where, and this is the same case with um, CGI in you know in general. Going to get to that point where it's going to become so realistic that it kind of misses the point of being mm-hmm. what it is in the first place. Like yeah. um, you know, like there's like that motion capture. Um, like you've got those like things in the like late two thousands, like. Uh, the uh, Christmas Carol, Jim Carrey and stuff. Oh, and, uh, yeah. The Uncanny yeah. Valley stuff. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's at that point of, 
Wouldn't it have been better if it was just live action? <laughs> yeah, or even like a, a legit um, 3D animated movie, like with keyframing and stuff and not like motion capture. Yeah. Like, mm, yeah, I, but its own character design and animation style. Yeah, like I had that issue with uh, Monster House, which I think is a pretty good movie, but like the movement in it is so like odd and realistic. <laughs> and it's like, this would have been way better as like a, a like a DreamWorks style animation, like keyframed and stuff instead of motion capture. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that um, like uh, why people... Um, you know, I'm attracted by the kind of the animation style of like Pixar because all the environments and everything look really realistic, but mm-hmm. the characters are done in a cartoony way, which is, you know, en- enough in a you know cartoony enough for it to be appealing. I think. Yeah. Avoiding the uncanny valley and uh, yeah. I think the one film of theirs where that didn't really work for me was The Good Dinosaur because mm. I don't know if you guys seen it, but like. Yeah, yeah. The yeah, the environments are like almost fo- real, photorealistic, but the the main dinosaur character looks like he's made of like Play-Doh <laughs> or something. It was like <laughs> kind of distracting. Too much of a disconnect. It's a uh, yeah. It's a bit almost a bit like um, the 1970s Pete's Dragon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> in that sense, yeah. Like they it's, went too uh, far in either direction. <laughs> yeah, but I yeah yeah I haven't seen the good dinosaur because uh, I didn't hear anyone say much good about it when it came out. Oh yeah, I think it's like from what I've seen of their movies, that's like their worst movie, maybe for me. It's okay. I mean, it's like, it's, um, it's it, I don't know. It's um, I feel like I don't know. It's one of those kind of films where it's kind of like, um, what is missing? Something's missing, and, you know. <laughs> but uh, I've seen Cars too, so. Uh. <laughs> oh yeah, I didn't even bother with Cars too, so you're probably right. Yeah. So <laughs> I try not to like rag on the cars movies too much because i feel like those are geared for like way younger kids than some of their other stuff but uh oh yeah 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 i mean you know i loved it when i when i was eight and then uh, i got older (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah but uh so yeah what is your kind of like uh your Mm step-by-step process when you make films then i hear you do like storyboards and that kind of thing yeah uh I didn't always used to do storyboards, but now I find them kind of invaluable. Uh, yeah, back in the day, I would just like have some type of script or loose idea. I would build the set, record audio, and then just start shooting with no planning, really. That was the amount of planning that I did. But nowadays, um, I would shoot either some type of rough animatic, like with live action and minifigs, kind of like just moving them around. Or I would actually, if I need something more detailed, I would like sketch it out or do proper storyboards. And once that's all cut together with audio, um, I would move into the um, the shooting stage. So I would um, animate, and when that's done, work on visual effects, then do the color correction and audio sound effects. And uh, yes pretty standard process for a lot of other brick filmers i think Mm, but yeah that's about the longest short of it (laughs) (laughs) uh i've been trying to get more back into writing lately like um i do a lot of scripts for like commission videos but i've never really done much writing for my own stuff lately until pretty recently so it's been nice kind of getting back into that because i feel like that's the one part of my filmmaking that i kind of neglect is the writing stage 
even though I find it really enjoyable, it's like kind of hard to get started sometimes on a script. I think it's, um, I don't know, it's one of those kind of things that uh, if you don't do it for a while, it feels strange going back to it. I definitely think that's one of those kind of things. Yeah. Yeah, like in the end, I think for me, I I mean, I do make a lot of brick films, but um, most of the kind of like contest kind of brick films I do are usually silent and I don't really go with much of a script. So when I do end up going back to script writing, it ends up, I end up doing like a script a year and um, it feels really weird going back to it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like the guy who like, even if I know it's a first draft I'm working on, I still hate it and like, don't want to like work on it but i have to kind of like push myself to finish it i feel like a lot of people feel that way they hate their writing at first and then you just kind of yeah. keep chipping away at it till it's a little bit better i mean for me um i don't really stop hating it i just hate mm-hmm. it less <laughs> yeah exactly that's the trick you gotta make yourself hate it a little bit less each time yeah you just gotta push through yeah, yeah. that's the hard part the good thing about contests and if you do if you do end up making a script you know make a film as a script the contest you don't have time to think about it and you end up actually making a fairly good script i don't know yeah Um, and other times you have like ideas that arrive fully formed in your head and you just have to put it down on paper yeah 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 that happened with this halloween video that i'm working on like um i don't remember what woke us up but me and my wife woke up at like four o'clock in the morning and it took me like an hour or so to fall back asleep. And I just came up with this idea and was just kind of thinking about it, different shots I could do for it. And the next day, I pretty much jotted down the script. And uh, it hasn't really changed that much. But uh, yeah, it's funny how that works sometimes. Yeah. So strange situations, strange things that happen. And just doing something suddenly makes you think of uh, an idea. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think... It's kind of funny. I used to always say to myself, I can't, I can't do comedy and I can only do serious things. And then, um, I've actually found that I, I can write something that I feel is fairly funny if I do it very quickly and like the contest, I just don't have time to think about it. And, um, yeah, I've actually found just, just when I've had, like with Sack and stuff, mm-hmm. these scripts end up taking like an hour to make. And it's just because you just haven't got time to think about it. And in the end, it actually isn't that bad i mean just the the thing with when you just when you've got like you're just doing it in your own time you've got enough time to nitpick and sometimes there isn't actually a problem there <laughs> mm-hmm. i just thought of a very important question in around early 2004 what were you using to record audio okay um the f- i'm trying to remember it was um pretty common microphone other brick filmers had at the time i d- it might have been a sure or something it was like I turn. I don't remember the exact model of microphone, but before um, the Brick Film Jam, I used this. Like I was talking to um, LOTW Studios earlier about this. It was like <laughs> one of those really thin, like microphones that kind of like are the diameter of like a pencil. Mm-hmm. That it's like a typical desktop microphone. Something you would never, ever want to use for um, professional voiceover. And I would use that for a lot of early stuff, like waffles. And you could tell, because it sounds like I recorded it inside a tin cup. It's like the worst audio quality imaginable. (laughs) Yeah, I love waffles for that reason. uh, (laughs) Well, that's good. Um, But yeah, when I worked on Jam, I had gotten some type of new microphone, and it made, like, all the difference, so... yeah. Uh, I know the type of pencil microphone you're talking about because 
I got one of those packed in with a gateway computer in the, like yep. the year 2000. Yep, pretty sure and we got a lot of people, gateway computer too. <laughs> yeah, a lot of other people got them from gateway computers, I know. Yeah, they're absolutely terrible. <laughs> yeah, that's what I used at the start as well. But mine didn't sound that bad, though. <laughs> oh, I don't know what I did wrong. I might have just been, like, way too close to it or something. But, yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, funny, because um, speaking of those kind of, like, desktop kind of microphone things, I've, I have I recently got one which was, um, I don't know if you call it, like, a pencil, but it's sort of pencil-shaped. And um, I don't know why, but I just did the stupidest thing. I was I was doing this, I'm doing this, like, live action. I've, I've just finished a live action project mm-hmm. um, that I was, that I was sort of like um, had to do for for work, like a project, and um, uh, I decided, you know what, I'm going to use this microphone to to try out just to see what it sounds like, and um, <laughs> it's a really bad mistake because the audio, um, do you like that strange thing where it kind of like automatically um, does noise reduction? But yeah. It's like an automatic thing, and the background noise it's trying to get rid of is too loud for it to get rid of it completely. So uh-huh. you end up with that strange compressed audio, which is like, if that makes sense, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and it's like it's like you've it's like when you go on Audacity and you just like you do noise reduction, but it's it's you know the the noise you're trying to get rid of is just too loud. It's like that, and um, I, there was just nothing I could do to to fix it. I ended up having to record the entire thing all over again. And, uh, oh, you know, I thought, yeah, I'll, I'll use my blue snowball. I know it works. I know it's got good quality audio. And mm-hmm. I don't know why I just didn't do that in the first place. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's hard to uh, kind of switch over to something if you already have a method you, you're you already using that, you know, works. And it's not going to, like, goof up like that. Like, yeah. uh, I I have the Adobe Creative Suite, which includes Adobe Audition which I know is like probably way better for recording stuff than Audacity, but Audacity is so simple to use that I've just been using it since like 2004. So yeah, that's not going to go away at any time. It's, it's like the, I think it is one of the best uh, free software around, you know? And I think if any of you, anybody listening on the, to the podcast, if you don't have Audacity, get Audacity because it's yeah. free and it's pretty fantastic. And I mean, it hasn't really changed in years, but, it's just you know they got it they got it right at one point and they have never needs to change it. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it doesn't need to Dang change. Broke, don't fix it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I hope they never change the layout of it. I'm too used yeah. to it. Oh yeah. I know a few uh, sites uh, that uh, fix things that don't need to be fixed. You know, mm-hmm. YouTube. Hint, yeah. Hint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, Penta, have you got anything else you'd like to uh, to say? Um, let me take a quick look. You didn't memorize all your questions before we started recording. Mm. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I I have to ask. Um, what are the chances we'll ever see either lasagna or the true meat sauce episode three? Ah uh, yes, yes, good question. Uh I think meat sauce is pretty much dead for the most part. Um, I suppose it's pretty because... irrelevant at the moment. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no one would really get the joke, and the dude that it's parodying uh, doesn't really make that the series anymore, <laughs> Meat Space. So uh, if I were to make a meat sauce free, it would like it would be pretty different from the other ones, I imagine. And uh, as far as lasagna, I'm not going to rule anything out yet, so uh, that's all I'll say about that one. That's exciting. I can... Mm 
go alongside Out of Time 2 and 3 as a not technically cancelled, hopefully one day. Yep. In limbo. One of those, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe one day. <laughs> yeah. I'll probably just come out nowhere one day, you never know. In a state of maybe one day for the past decade. Yep. <laughs> it's gonna be the uh the half life free of brick films. <laughs> but uh that actually reminds me of uh I don't know if you like got involved in this at all, but there was a thing on the uh, Twitter, um well it was like, you know, bricks and motion and stuff. Um, I forgot what it was called, but uh it's based on the um thing where it's like your the your four that have a frame of your four favourite uh, like films and stuff and and uh, I decided to make one which was four favourite brick films uh-huh. and um, someone named every single like each one was uh, films that uh, hadn't come out you know and it was stuff like Appetite Lost and uh, you know uh, Welcome to Dartmoor and everything and, and <laughs> each frame was just like file not found <laughs> that's great <laughs> <laughs> Which is now actually out of date because one of the films on there was um, the Cleaners, which uh, actually is actually out now. So yep. <laughs> yeah, did take a long time, but it did come out eventually. <laughs> and speaking of yep. which, Little Guys in Space finally came out. Oh uh, yes. yeah, yeah. Actually, um, before we actually recorded, we talked a little bit about um, Little Guys in Space. But um, actually, do you guys want to talk a little bit about that actually again? Because um, I do think it's a a very 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 good film. Its release yeah. is certainly an event in brick filming. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, I thought it was pretty amazing. Um, some of the animation in it, it kind of looked like he used live action reference because it felt like more fluid than usual yeah. compared to the last video. But yeah, it's, it's really ambitious and fun to watch. So I'm glad yeah. it was finally finished. I'd like if he released a behind the scenes video and maybe showed some of the reference footage along with the, the shot in the film. Yeah, definitely. I think he has actually made it for Patreon support, oh. isn't he, or something? I think that's it. Yeah, because yeah, there was some um, time lapse stuff in the credits that I found very interesting. Yeah, so time lapse—that's something that I would do if I was more organized. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, whenever we're working on stuff, I try to remember to set up like a little time lapse with our phones because those are—you never know—you could always use that footage for something. So, but yeah, they're fun. This film I just did—I actually did a. Um, I, I made a behind the scenes video. I, I just made like I just kept recording everything I was doing, mm. and uh, you know I'd I'd show all these different things. And as a couple of times, I really wanted to do like time lapse and record it with my phone, but um, I was recording so much that I only had like five minutes left, and I just couldn't. If I was you know record that, then I just have nothing left to do, you know. So um, unfortunately, there isn't much like of me actually just filming, you know. A lot of it is just like showing how I did things and stuff, but. Uh, yeah, hopefully it would. It makes an interesting video. Yeah, I don't really know yet. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway, yeah, uh, look, guys, I think it's it's kind of interesting, uh, like watching them back to back because I still think that Little Guys is easily, you know, like one of the most impressive brick films, at least of its time. Yeah, and um, you know, it's, you could still watch it, and it's an incredibly impressive film. Um, but like, you watch like Little Guys in Space, and um, it just goes to show how much uh, Pagano has has moved on, even since um, Little Guys. It's like how much he's honed his skills, and mm-hmm. and it's, the mm-hmm. animation has now got to his point where it looks really, really lifelike. Uh, I was especially impressed by there's um, one of the I think it was like halfway through the video. There's like a, a woman and uh, she's like a general, so she's fighting, like shooting and stuff. Yeah, and um, that animation is just 
wow, it's incredible. Yeah. This looks so I think everyone human. singles out that shot. Yeah. Definitely and, a um, highlight of it, for sure. And the yeah. um, the last shot as well, around the uh, the table, for all those yeah. characters, that was, like, pretty <laughs> impressive as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. A few years ago, I think 2014, uh, David Pagano actually was in California and swung by our studio. And so we hung out with him for a bit and did, like, a live build on stream. But um, he showed us a rough cut of Little Guys in Space, which I think at that point was only, like, 50% shot or so, maybe 60%. And uh, we got to the last shot, and it was still in, like, storyboard form. And he was, like, you could tell he was pretty, like, nervous to start that shot because it's so ambitious and so many characters so but yeah, yeah it turned out great it did yeah. yeah and i had a similar experience uh, where i mean when i first saw the first little guys years ago i thought it was basically the most impressive thing i'd ever seen and then after watching this film and it was so much more impressive than that i went back and watched the first one and suddenly in comparison it's like oh there's only one character on screen at a time and, and only oh, their yeah, mouth yeah. moves practically <laughs> yeah it's, it's funny yeah. how it, the first one is still so impressive, but yeah, the second one really goes the extra mile. Yeah. I've always liked the idea, like, of this of this whole thing, and it's, you know, like, the first one is just, like, it's over it's overhyping this obviously really kind of dull toy, mm-hmm. and um, I like that in this one they kind of hint that these kids are being forced to like this toy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You've got, There's... like, a... Cockwork Orange sort of reference there, you know, and he's like forced to watch yeah. it. Yeah, there's kind of a smile. dark understory kind of going on <laughs> in the background. Yeah, and I, I like that kind of uh, element of it. Like, yeah, yeah. I think it's pretty funny because <laughs> the, the humor is pretty subtle, really. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, it's not yeah. kids. Kids aren't really going to get the humor. So that's interesting. And, you know, it, it took little guys of space just to show how much he's moved on since little guys. And uh, yeah. What well, is a incredible film? I'm glad that it's finally come out, and because uh, I, I know the Kickstarter project was like in like 2012 wasn't it, or something. <laughs> oh like yeah, that. it took like six years to make. Yeah, but I know he also had other paying jobs that he was like working on in between. So. Oh yeah, he's he's never actually he's never actually stopped. He's yeah. always been doing stuff. So, yeah, hats off to him. Really incredible stuff. But. Uh... Is there anything else that uh, you'd like to say, better before we head over to the the uh, showcase? I think it's a good time to head on over. Yeah, okay, so yeah, uh, yeah, so actually, before we start, I must well say that uh, yeah, so we've gone for a little bit of a, um, I suppose you'd say, two thousand and four themed uh, break film showcase. As all these films are from yeah, two thousand and four, uh, and yeah, so my my uh, pick is um, Hand of Fate, uh, which uh, is by. Dave Corbett, as I believe his name is. Mm. And, um, yeah, so basically, it's about this guy who uh, keeps seeing um, hands just, like, appear out of nowhere. And uh, and uh, I guess it's kind of like a joke on the, you know, that whole thing of, you know, people accidentally keeping their hand in frame. And, and um, you know, he kind of, he thinks he's going crazy because he sees his hands all the time. And, uh, yeah, um, I, I, I remember, I watched this, like, going back, uh, a couple of years ago now, and um, I've never forgotten about it. It's always stayed with me because I thought it was a genuinely kind of you know f- a very funny uh, film, and um, yeah, I really like it. I think um, some of the effects actually still kind of um, work. Like uh, I like the that um, X-ray effect that he does. I guess it's done with like masking, 
there's like a small bit of him and it's like there's like a skeleton and stuff like that and uh, you know there's things like that I feel like I think it's aged um, pretty well actually a lot of the effects um, still work and um, I think it's kind of like it's that start of that kind of brick film sort of era I suppose where um, you know brick films really started to kind of change in quality and uh, yeah and I think um, yeah I think it's aged really well and um I just like the idea of just, you know people accidentally you know had the hands and stuff and uh, I like the I like that there's actually a book from about it it's kind of funny and um yeah it's a, it's a generally funny film and uh yeah so what are you guys thoughts uh yeah um I had watched it for the first time in a long time today um I think the last time I w- watched it was like maybe 2008 or so it was a long time but uh, yeah, it the humor and writing still holds up really well. Like some brick films from that era, um, I wouldn't really show people nowadays because it's like, eh, I don't know. But um, that one, I could probably show like a non-brick filmer and they'd really enjoy it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I noticed too, uh, brick films around 2004. They had like there were quite a few of them that featured scenes inside a psychiatrist's office. I was going to mention that as well. Yeah, because yeah, I made Jam around the same time, and Leftfield Studios made one about like aliens and that featured a psychiatrist's office. So it felt like kind of a, a mini trend at the time to do that. I don't know why, but yeah, just kind of interesting. Hmm. Yeah, there was a. Yeah, 2004 was definitely a time when trends seemed to be a thing. <laughs> hmm. Like, uh, about the door and that kind of stuff. That's, that, that's 2004, isn't it, I think? Yeah. 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 There are also, yeah. <laughs> like, the brick films that featured, like, a white expanse or something, like a void. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, again, I think I've said this before, but, like, you know, there's a, all the different, all these brick filmers were kind of all together in this one place. And, uh, it did lead to, you know, a lot of, of, a, a few trends, you know, yeah. because they're all kind of, Everybody knew each other's f- films, and uh, yeah, yeah, you it start was seeing... like um, <laughs> pre-YouTube days, so yeah. everyone was pretty self-contained in the forums. Yeah. Like, I don't think a lot of brick films would kind of venture beyond that, really. Um, Unless it's a controversy, you know. Yeah. Then... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, that's. I don't think you really see that a lot nowadays, but there are a lot of like mini trends going on with brick films and stuff. Yeah, and, and then at the start of YouTube, there was some potential for those like Dane Cook, but oh yeah, yeah. really, I think since they removed video responses, that died out. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, that was a lot of fun seeing people's like own Dane Cook videos and the stuff they came up with. Yeah, I mean, you have had a couple of trends. I mean, like there's uh, no qualm. That that was the thing. Well, I mean, oh, that's yeah. just more of a <laughs> couple of in jokes around the community. Yeah, it's not yeah. people actually making response films. Yes, but I think like little references. Really, yeah. I think it's gone to that whole point now of um, you know the brick filming world so expansive. What actually is considered um, impactful enough to be a trend? Because there's plenty of films that um, you know reference reference each other, but it's not you know there's just so many brick films around now. Mm-hmm. You know, a couple of people doing you know like parody videos or something isn't necessarily going to be remembered as a brick film trend you know yeah uh the only thing i've seen lately that's kind of similar to that is when people try to like game the youtube algorithm (laughs) Uh, there's been like a lot of videos of like 
Lego shark attack videos. Oh, I know yeah. lately. Like if you if you search YouTube for that, you'll find like a ton of them. They have like a mi- million or so views, or even more. And they all Toilet have like as well. they all have really similar thumbnails, which is the weird part. Like yeah. it'd be a guy in the foreground and the shark in the background to the right on like a watery surface. And like there's like ten or so videos that have like these similar thumbnails, and you can tell they're just trying to like beat the algorithm and stuff yeah maybe the algorithm tries to pick related videos based on the colors or the shapes or faces it can detect in thumbnails yeah a couple of them have like spider-man or olaf that type of stuff too to get in those uh the keyword yeah. searches or whatever it's like kind of soulless yeah so i guess i guess that's brick film trends in the modern era it's just trying yep. to game the youtube algorithm uh, you know, you, if you want to make like the the biggest break from ever, you need to do Lego Spider Man and Batman being chased by a shark while shopping fail, it's, and someone's <laughs> pregnant for some reason. <laughs> well, someone did it and got a hundred million views. Yeah. <laughs> but I wanted to say, actually, it is getting your hand in the frame of a brick film by accident still a thing, uh, uh, as like intentional as a joke. No, no, like unintentional. Would people oh. still understand the hand of fate these days? Um, yeah, I would say so. If they if they have like a casual understanding of stop motion, I think people will get it. Yeah, I, mean, I guess I, I just feel like I haven't really seen that happen unintentionally anymore. Yeah, I could definitely see that if you're if you're sort of um, animating blind, but um, I think generally now people have like playback and people look at every single frame and I think it's very unlikely people would make that mistake because it's such a massive substantial mistake yeah um, and I feel like you would have to be pretty young to make that mistake yeah. anymore like I yeah. feel if you get a certain age you're more mindful of that stuff so yeah yeah so maybe people watching the hand of fate for the first time now if they weren't familiar with that idea maybe they just think that it's just a reference to the fact that there is an animator and they wouldn't get the the joke about accidentally getting your hand in one frame yeah um i remember around the time that film came out uh digi dave was uh talking about how he was inspired by uh that scene in monty python and the holy grail with the animator um (laughs) i think that was his inspiration for the last shot where the animator actually shows up on screen oh yeah yeah, because it's like there's a whole the whole sequence where the uh the monster's chasing them and the animator dies so the scene ends. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I like the way the end of the hand of fate. It's all quiet. You know, the hand just shows up on his head, and it's there's no big deal made out of it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a nice touch. Yeah. You could easily, you could even easily miss that. Like you know, if you weren't like paying attention. Yeah, if you weren't paying which, attention, uh, you'd miss it. Which I think he miss it, and I like that. Yeah, because I've always been fascinated by the idea of there kind of being like an animator. Animator paradox, where you know it's just goes on and on and on, animator animating an animator kind of thing, and um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, um, like Brick Films around that era too. They were kind of playing around with the whole meta animation thing. Like you'd have Brick Films that feature minifigs animated in tinier figures and stuff. Like Chris Salt did a video about that. It was kind of fun. I don't know. I think that was another little mini trend that was going on too. I think that's still a thing now. I mean, I made a film about it 
before realizing it was a trend. <laughs> yeah. And since then, I've watched like five or six films where people were animating. Like, you know, there's like, oh, I, for a moment, I was like, wow, they're, they're, you know, I made it, I started a trend. But yeah. I don't think a video that has 150, 250 views started a big trend like that. <laughs> yeah. I saw I- yeah. I think people still do because it's such an appealing idea making an animated film about animation. Yeah. So. Especially now with those, um, you got those like tiny, like, um, minifigure, um, Oh, uh, yeah, pieces. the micro figs. Yeah. Yeah. So they're the minifigures for minifigures kind oh, of yeah. thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It, it must be just a, the kind of concept that people just land on there uh, by themselves because the first Benny and Lee film that I made, uh, it was about Benny making a brick film and the joke just was that it was very bad but it's kind of funny because the film itself was bad so it's trying to trying to make fun of bad brick films while also being a bad brick film it's yeah. really bad <laughs> but yeah I think I think everyone just, just thinks oh what will I make a brick film about oh I know it'll be about making a brick film genius yeah and they think they're really clever <laughs> yeah but yeah I mean going back to Hannah Faye yourself is there anything that you would like to anything else you'd like to say before we move on well, um, oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, I think we've we've covered a good bit about it. Yeah, yeah, still holds up pretty well. I like the voice acting in it, actually, especially the doctor. Oh yeah, the doctor is like my favorite character. Like his, what was his line when he starts the X-ray? He's like, it tickles a bit, but I kind of like it, or something like that. Yeah, that was a good <laughs> joke. And yeah, I agree. The X-ray effect still yeah, holds yeah. up well. But yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, Penta, what was your pick? Well. It's funny, actually, because it's only come up uh, once or twice, but I decided to pick Crispy Cheeser. And uh, going into this, we didn't decide, oh, everything we should pick should be from 2004. But we did, we were having a conversation, basically, because everything we've been picking for the recent podcast has all been very serious uh, Mm -hmm. type of brick films. So we decided this time we should pick the more comedic things. So we just, I guess, naturally gravitated towards the older era. uh, Yeah, it was... It was a lot sillier, I suppose. Yeah. In a good way. Yeah. If um, if you hadn't already picked that one, I would probably pick it myself. It's like <laughs> an amazing brick film. Which is funny because I yeah. almost picked it myself. Um, so we all almost picked it. <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> well, but you could have picked part one and you could have picked part <laughs> two. <so. laughs> Crispy Cheeser, uh, the animation in it, I think, still holds up very well today. Yeah. At a time when most films weren't putting much thought into expressive animation this was like a, a revelation mm-hmm. i especially love when um while while one of them is running he looks back and hops on one foot oh yeah it's really clever yeah you so know good. it's funny because um you know at the time there wasn't like as many like definitive or oh, this is how you animate this kind of thing and um i think people have had that conversations recently about like you know early examples of cartoony brick films and um you know, I often think of, like, um, really something as recently as, like, um, the Major Malfunction from 2012 as being, like, one of those influential brick films that, you know, uh, it sort of defines, you know, what, what a cartoony brick film is. Um, and then, like, rewatching Crispy Teaser recently, I kind of realized that this is actually a very cartoony brick film in the way that it's animated and much mm. more cartoony mm, yeah. than a lot of brick films at the time. And it makes it actually very appealing to watch. I think it's. It's got some very fun animation to it. I also like the. I think, yeah. It's also got some nice like camera work and yeah. It's a and big one of the things too. I was impressed by um, mm-hmm. actually is just that it's got a unique look. Like 
Um, you know, I mean, we've, we, you could talk about some films like I think Letter, Cognizance, and you know, I've talked about that enough times. <laughs> <laughs> Getting our obligatory <laughs> but, mention uh, in there. Yeah, but like this <laughs> is quite different. It's quite different from them. You know, it's like this is a different style. Yeah, it's its own. It's its own style of like set building and. Uh, yeah, I I I really like the look of this. I really like the animation and uh, yeah, everything's yeah. Uh, bright and colorful too, which I really like. Um, I remember when it first came out; it just kind of came out of nowhere, and I loved it immediately. And originally, it was like you know separated into two parts: part one and part two. And people were pretty hyped for part two, and I think it came out like a week or so later. And for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's literally like five seconds long, and it's just like crispy cheese <laughs> getting eaten by a shark. And I remember like a lot of people being really disappointed with it. Like I remember Blunty was like super bummed out about it, but I loved it because I thought it was I don't know it was hilarious. <laughs> it just ends like that, and it's so sudden. And uh, but yeah. Yeah, because what I like, great. what I love about uh, the ending of the first one, it's like you know what will happen, what will happen next, you know, that kind of almost like that kind of Batman kind of that you know sixties Batman her thing, and then yeah. he gets eaten. The end. <laughs> I just <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> roll credits. Yeah, it's like asking what's going to happen next. Well, the shark has practically already got his head in its mouth. Yeah, and then part two is just <laughs> yeah, he gets eaten. <laughs> What do you um kind of similar topic, but what do you guys think of like their follow up brick film? It was like the news one and the guy in the wheelchair. Yeah, um Wenachi forty two. Yeah, uh, yeah, that one's great I'm, too. I'm not yeah, actually familiar with the film, so I can't really comment on it. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh okay. Right. Well check it out, it's very good. <laughs> I still quote we still quote it uh in the Discord once in a while. What's the special? I may have I, well I mean I'm quite familiar with that era, so maybe I'll I would have know it if I see it again. <laughs> but uh... I think if if you'd seen it, you'd remember it. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, that's where uh, the whole turnip onions thing came from. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> yeah, but uh... so yeah, um, James, uh, your pick. Yes. Well, this might be a bit of a shocker, but. Uh... I picked a brick film from around the same era, <laughs> and I don't know if you guys have heard of this one. It's a it's a bit obscure, but uh, I chose uh, the Citizen of the Year by Watson Films. <laughs> I don't even know how to start this actually. <laughs> like, I mean, what else can be said about it really? Um, on a on a serious note, um, I actually still think it holds up really well. Uh, it feels like kind of a sitcom-y episode you're watching like it has like i remember seeing it at the time and thinking like the story was like pretty like professionally done for a brick film like there's conflict characters and stuff and it was just like it gave me the same vibes as like out of time Hmm, yeah like it's kind of like not like an adult brick film but kind of mature you know like has some class to it. Yeah. I think that's where a lot of the disconnect comes from sometimes with people who uh, don't recognize its its genius. Is that, yeah, when you're younger, it, it doesn't come across as 
all that funny, really. Yeah. Well, it didn't to me anyway. When I first saw uh, it, when I was, I was like the same, yeah. I was like, you know, well, I don't get it. <laughs> What's the big deal? But then watching it later, I, um, I realized that oh, uh, it's actually, actually a really lot well of the humor reminds me of the um, like early seasons of The Simpsons, like the '90s Simpsons. Like uh, I don't know the yeah. kind of situation of it, and uh, you know what happens, and uh, I don't know. I mean, it has one of my favorite book film lines, and that's. Uh, my daddy says you're a jerk, and and he says, uh, <laughs> "I don't deny it." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah he, humor holds up really well even today. <laughs> uh, that's another one that I could show like anyone who's not familiar with Brick films, and I think they enjoy it. Yeah, that's that's the thing I usually say. That's 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 my line <laughs> in every episode. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, yeah. yeah it's one of the things that uh, is always funny is like with people that uh, like are younger that that don't understand it, and uh, like I was one of those people. Not that you know, only going back a couple of years mm-hmm. ago, and uh, I remember um, getting into heat, heated arguments about the film. And uh, I remember Penta, you did a photoshopped <laughs> image of um, it with a hundred percent score on Rotten Tomatoes, wasn't it? The- oh. <laughs> Yeah, Citizen Kane. It was the Citizen Kane Rotten Tomatoes page, except with the, all the text and images changed for the inspect element. <laughs> That's great. Uh, so, like, the plot summary was the same as Citizen Kane, just a few keywords changed, like the character names changed. And, <laughs> and uh, it was funny because I, I showed that to you, and, and it's it said something like, you know, 100% with 150,000 ratings, and, and you were like... Uh, how can it have 150,000 ratings when it only has 5,000 views on YouTube? And then I just said, oh, it came out before YouTube. <laughs> you know, uh, 150,000 people just watched it. And then hardly anyone since. <laughs> yeah, they just kind of leveled out. <laughs> they misunderstood its nuances. And... <laughs> but yeah, it's... Uh... Yeah, I was actually wondering if that <laughs> yeah. story was going to come up. I was wondering if I should mention it or not. <laughs> Yeah, um, some of the memes people made about it back in the day were pretty amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think, I don't remember what year it was. I think it was 2006, maybe, uh, for Septemberfest, um, which, in case it, no one's heard of, uh, it's like this month-long festival celebrating um, Citizen of the Year. <laughs> Celebrate every year, and... But um, I was working on, like, this kind of text adventure game that was, like, inspired by Citizen of the Year. It's basically the plot of Citizen of the Year, but it's, like, one of those old-school Sierra text adventures where you input commands. And uh, I released that one year, and I think it was pretty soon after I was trying to make, like, a point-and-click adventure game based on Citizen of the Year. But um, I wasn't able to finish that one, but... um, some of the sprites I made for it, um, we use as emoticons on the forums still. Oh, like the little right. trash can full of parrots. That's what's that that's from. That's okay, so I, okay. Interesting. <laughs> oh, I didn't know you made those yeah. actually. Because you were um because obviously there was I mean, if anybody doesn't know, there was a website uh, dedicated to Citizen of the Year and you were like one of the, the main like contributors to the website, weren't you? Yeah. yeah. Um it was me, Comic Green, Dragoon, Watson and uh, I think that was about it. We were like kind of we talk and chat a lot, and we'd be kind of like co-conspirators. <laughs> but uh, we made like this collab type website called Citizen Awesome, 
and it wasn't it was like inspired by the title of citizen of the year but it wasn't necessarily just focused on it but um yeah that's where that site came from we had like a little forum and we like planned like september fest type pranks or hijinks or whatever I'm trying to remember where the whole joke for September Fest started. I think we were in chat one day, and we thought it'd be funny to bring up the old review Fred for Citizen of the Year and start, like, praising it out of the blue. And then it just kind of, like, spiraled out of control, and here we are today. <laughs> I think it's funny how things that are that seem so mysterious after so many years can often have super simple origin stories like yep. that. Yeah. Is that one of the things that I've I've always thought was funny about on on the Bricks and Motion forums is that um, there's a, a review from Roger Ebert and it's literally just um, his review for North but just uh, backwards. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you've heard of North, but it was like his it, the film that he hated the most, and it was like I hate yeah. hate hate this movie, and it was just changed to I love 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 this. And that that always makes me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, another thing we did was, I think it might have been Ross or somebody, but they made like a poster for like what a live action version of Citizen, Citizen of the Year would look like. And uh, for the actors, it was like Sean Connery as the bum. <laughs> and uh, who's that dude from... Uh, the Dennis the Menace live action movie. He played a Mr. Wilson. That dude. He's from Odd Couple as well. Ah, I'm space on my name, but he was gonna play the main character. Um but yeah, just that was a fun time. Just coming up with dumb jokes like that. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh part of what made the joke funny for us is that Citizen of the Year is like such a uh inoffensive film. Like it just like a simple story you're in and you're out and uh yeah it's just a very simple brick film but uh pu- us hyping it up so much just made us laugh for whatever reason <laughs> and i like how uh kind of confused and heated uh some members get you know every now and then <laughs> oh yeah i remember people got like legitimately angry <laughs> about it like i don't understand this what's going on and i was on i was in that camp <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry for any undue stress we might have caused you. <laughs> uh, it's part of being a new member of Fix Motion, you know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You're you're like you know you become a member, you know, official member when you when you get uh, Citizen of the Year, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> barrier to entry. Yep, your initiation. <laughs> but I wonder, actually, one of the things I was wondering, actually, do you think they'll ever do a September Fest contest again? Because I remember 2015. Was the last one? Yeah, because they kept saying it would uh, be the last one every every year, didn't they? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. I would imagine so. Like, um, I wasn't really in charge of the last contest. It was uh, Sean Wharton, I think. He Wharton. was kind of running that, and he did a great job. Like the prizes were like pretty amazing. It was like yeah, they were a literal like Lego trash can full of like hundreds of parrots or whatever <laughs> it was great um but yeah um i would definitely not be opposed to more september fest contests in the future mm-hmm. and i definitely I'd, I'd want to i'd want to take part <laughs> this time yeah. oh for sure 
well, if there was another, I mean, there might be another contest in September. I don't see why not, but I doubt that ever be anything that was directly related to this season of the year because it's it's too niche by now, and most of the people who would get it wouldn't be able to just quickly whip up an entry. Anyway. Yeah, most of the people that would appeal to would be taking part anyway. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, before we actually wrap up the episode, is there anything else that uh, you know you'd like to say before we? Uh, yeah. Um. Uh, anything else I'd like to say? Uh check out my patreon uh <laughs> patreon.com forward slash spastic chihuahua um i'm working on some new projects right now a couple of new brick films um also done some commission projects and i'm hoping i'll be able to like post about pretty soon but um yeah that's uh that's pretty much it nice i hope uh everyone has an amazing september fest it starts in two days so at the time of this recording, yeah, it would, it would all be already be starting by the time we've, uh, this is released. Yeah, but, it'll uh, be yeah. The uh, festivities will be well underway by yeah. then. So. Although all the partying would have long, you know, would have, would have started by now. <laughs> but yes, uh, yes. But yeah, um, you've made so many films. What would you say would be a good starting point for anyone who doesn't know your work? That's a good question. Um, I would probably start. Because I think Back to School was good. Yeah, people seem to really dig Back to School. I'd go with Back to School, uh, maybe uh, Tender Family Moments, Reading is Fun, Clack, <laughs> and maybe a Lego Batman film. Um, and Oh, and... Uh, s- oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That one as well. And then on a the uh, similar note, do you have a personal favorite out of anything that you've made? Uh the one brick film of mine that still makes me laugh no matter how many times i see it is uh i think it's called horace the hand eating horse uh because it's short to the point and like my brother's voice acting like cracks me up (laughs) he plays he plays the horse the the titular horse and uh yeah i don't know it's so dumb (laughs) this still makes me laugh um Aside from that, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. That's the only brick film of mine that still makes me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the one of my favorite ones is the uh, your uh, Sherlock Holmes film you did. Oh yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. That there's a part in that that still makes me laugh. It's the uh, the part where the knife hand guy tries to pet the kitty, <laughs> and his reaction immediately afterwards. Yeah, he's like. Damn it! <laughs> and yeah, I I mentioned this before, but um, I think that Jai Val is extremely underrated. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm really proud of that one as well. The script for that one mostly came from um, my co-conspirator. Hold on, I'm spacing out. Steam. Mr. Billow. Yeah, Mr. Billow. Uh, the script was mostly Mr. Billow's work, but uh, I I just brought it to life, and uh, yeah, it's good. It holds up. Um. I'm, we do want to make a second one at some point, but we've both been really busy. So again, I would not rule anything out. So we'll see. Yeah, but uh, yeah, thank you so much for uh, joining us on the show. It's been uh, great talking to you. Yeah, uh, thanks again for having me. It was fun talking with you guys. Yeah, thank you for joining us in this uh, September Fest special. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Anytime. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Goodbye, guys. Bye.